wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome to Auto Off Topic. Happy Thanksgiving, Brad. It is Thanksgiving week, isn't it, Andrew? It is. Which also means it's like our sixth anniversary. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. A short week for making podcasts. Six six years. That's uh, so that means we started this in twenty sixteen. That's right. It's 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 amazing how different my life is now than when we started this podcast. It is. Yeah, it's amazing. Like some some things from 2016 seem like they were 30 years ago, and some things from 2016 seem like they happened yesterday. I mean, you still have broken so, cars, so not too much has changed. I had significantly more broken cars. I had less cars, but more broken cars. I think okay. is the is the way that works. Well, it is. We'll put it this way: you got married in 2017. I did, right? So that was five years ago. That also doesn't seem that long ago, right? I at that time probably owned 12 cars. Yep. The day you got married, right? And if you remember, I had to borrow your Montero to get to your wedding. This is true. The 89 Montero. Because I had both no, no, at the same nope. time. Nope, I didn't have the 89. I had a later one. I let you use it after because we drove it over there to get people from my house. Okay. Well, I remember driving the 99 at that yeah. point. Um, yeah. Well, but like that week, I was letting you use the 89 to get around. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> but anyway, the point, of, the point of the matter is I owned 12 broken cars. Yeah. So I think yeah no I think the Camaro no it didn't actually the oil sending unit had a hole in the hose so yeah everything everything was broken, um, and my brain was in the same state as all of those cars at that time in my life so it's uh the fact that we even continue to do podcasts through that time period is is pretty pretty crazy so yeah six six years um six years of some successful some failed projects and. Some uh, self-improvement. But the good news is, is that means that any car that I have bought since we started this podcast that is currently not running has not been around for a decade yet. Whoa. That's, that's my, that's my new high bar. (laughs) No, I, anyway, at that time in my life, I had 12 cars or 11 cars. I know there were a lot of cars and none of them ran. At this point in my life, there are currently two, three, four, five, six, seven cars at this house here that are registered, <laughs> running, and driving. 
All right, I that's good. One of seven. Yeah. So that's significantly better. I find so at least you work at a car related place, but I don't anymore. So I have a hard conversation because we do have a car like Slack channel that sure. every once in a while people are like, I saw that Slack channel. You have like, how many cars do you have? I'm like, five? They're like, what? <laughs> Where do you keep them? I'm like, at my house. Yeah. Or else I, I live in them. Boston. <laughs> I live yeah. in the suburbs. I yeah, can do exactly. this. Yeah. So I, I work in a car related place. And, you know, I, I have seven registered, insured, running, driving cars. And while I don't drive them all every day because they're on antique insurance policies, um, the Eclipse is on the standard insurance policy. So that's my daily use car. But usually on a Friday, I'll choose one of the, you know, one of the six other cars that are on a special policy because you are allowed to use it like for occasional use. And I figure if I'm doing it every Friday with, you know, a different car each week, it's not a big deal. And people at work are like, okay, I haven't seen this one. How many more are there? Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> eventually it'll all go away. So the good news is there's been some other ones that have been like, well, not the good news. The, the funny thing is, is there's been a couple other cars that have like been in the mix. Like I was working on that Subaru. I think I ranted about selling last week. Yeah. So that went to work a couple times because I've registered and insured it and made sure it was running and driving properly. So at least with stuff like that, or sometimes I'll just be frustrated in the morning because I have a leaky tire in the Eclipse that I haven't gotten to yet. And I'll just take Naomi's car if she's working from home that day. <laughs> so there are sometimes at least I'll show up in like even other cars that aren't <laughs> even any of the interesting old cars. And people are just like, I, I thought you were into old weird cars. What is with this like Subaru and Hyundai? <laughs> like what's going on? So yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, I don't like, I guess this, this is probably coming off like an annoying humble brag, which is not the point. I think it's a uh, part of my personality that I don't, that I'm not bragging. I own. Oh yeah. Real humble brag. You get to drive a 07 Impreza. Well, the eight choices are nine cars I can choose from. But, you know, as I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago who was like talking about how wealthy I must be. And I was like, no, the entire dollar figure of cars is less than like one new Camry. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to pretend, I'm definitely not rich. I'm just dumb. It's, that's kind of what I told them. Like, you must be wealthy. I'm like, no, I'm not wealthy. I'm just dumb. So. No, I don't have anyway. seven Ferraris. Yeah, no, I have a lot of Dodge Colts and 70s and 80s Toyotas. Like, it's, I, I added everything up. And I think, I think currently there's 14 cars. And I think that with buying and selling and everything, that my total investment was still like, over the span of 20 years, like 22 grand in those cars total. So it's really not, it's really not that excessive. A lot of people spend that kind of money on a hobby or that kind of time, you know? So, and the beauty of it is like, Hey, they're cars. I could, if, if I wasn't me, I could sell them and make money and have money back and actually be in the, in the green by a lot. Because now that I've sat on them for so long and made them actually run and drive, they're worth significantly more than my investment now. Right. Like probably 22 grand, but sarcasm a little bit there. Anyway, getting into this week's episode, Andrew, now that we've talked about our anniversary, which is how yeah. it started, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we think back to 2016. So this is our unofficial anniversary episode. I still lived in Massachusetts. I still owned my house. I had 12 broken cars. 
I still had my pickup truck. Yep. I hadn't even bought the Volkswagen yet, which is gone. I hadn't moved out here. I hadn't even met Naomi. There were still other things going on in my life back then. Um, yeah, everything was bad. So I used this podcast, honestly, as kind of a bit of escapism at that time in my life. And now it's not escapism anymore. And now it's even more enjoyable to be doing this. So I should uh, publicly thank you for starting to having the idea to start this podcast because it, I think it... Uh, I think it helped me get through a lot back then. So six years later, here we are. Yeah. Well, I was listening where I was working. I was listening to a lot of podcasts during the day. Sure. One of them was uh, Drive All Awesome, Game and Tubbed, RIP. Uh, yep. And the Clutch Tire. Kick, clutch Kick, Clutch, Clutch. What was it? Clutch Kickers. Clutch Kick? No. Nope. Podcast? Nope. Clutch. I forget now. It's been so long. Clutch Kick. Rest in peace to them, too. Um, and it was like listening to smoking tire and I'm like, I could do that. And then there's a couple episodes where he's like, people always ask me, how do you get to do what you do? And I'm like, just do it. I'm like, okay. Challenge accepted. Matt Farah. I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't have as many listeners, but well, no, but we also, we, we've never sort of a point of pride. We've never really. I don't know. I don't know if sold out's the right word. Like we've had a couple of sponsor things over the years and people had small little deals with, but we don't pursue that. And we don't just take any guests that come our way because we have been offered guests and a lot of them don't fit our mold. And we'd rather just not have a famous person on that doesn't fit who we are than just have a famous person on, you know, I don't want to drop names, but there were a few and a couple of them made us laugh because they are in the world of cars. They're just not, in our world of cars, you know, and it just doesn't make any sense for us to do that. And I, if, if we don't grow beyond what we are by not doing that, then so be it. We're doing it for anybody who wants to listen. Then, I mean, now that I moved 3000 miles away from you, who I've known most of my entire life, it's a good excuse for us to chat every week. So it, uh, it's kind of for us. And if it ever grows bigger than it is, then so be it. But we're not really, we're not chasing and turning this into a career, you know? We could just have a phone call, but instead we do a podcast. Yeah, it's weird. We're two adult males. They don't talk on the phone anymore. What is this, 1985? Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually called a mutual friend of ours not that long ago because we were having you know, a change of plans and it was too hard to explain it. And I called him um, and he answered the phone. And he goes, well, this is a weird form of communication. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was awkward. I was like, oh, yeah, it is, I guess, but. And I, I need to talk fast. <laughs> so anyway, well, it was the other day I, I called Stephanie up and she's like, why are you calling? I'm like, this is very important. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, there's a touch of truck down the street yeah. that we didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. I need to get Marco there right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still, I have, uh, I would say that the only people I even talk to on the phone on a regular basis are, I talk to Naomi almost every day on the phone. Uh, and I talk to my parents and I talked to my kid and that's about it. So everybody else is usually a, a, a text message or a Google chat or I will say that I got to age ourselves here, but these, what generation came after millennials? Z's. Z's. Gen Z's. Z's. They, yeah, they, they do communicate with chat 
and talking live, but they do it over video chat. Yeah, a lot of people do video calls now. It's kind of yeah, that's weird. even more awkward when you're in public. It's real weird. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even like doing it at my desk. I go. We have phone booths, quote unquote. Okay. To do video I chats or do regular chats? To video chats. Yeah, even regular chats at my desk. Like, we have remote oh, offices. Go outside. So. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> go outside. But anyway, yeah. Um, on topic. Speak of. One of the first things we did as a podcast that really got us some listeners was we went to the second Radwood and SoCal. Yes, we did. The second show. It was the first Radwood SoCal, second Radwood Second show, ever. Radwood 2. Yeah. Yeah. And you went to the most recent one. Yeah, which would be the fifth Radwood SoCal in the third location. So that first year we went, it was at the Phoenix Club. The second and third years, it was at the Peterson in the parking garage. And the past two years, it's been in the parking lot of Acura Honda North American headquarters in Torrance, California. So now that I live on this coast, you know, in the first two Radwood SoCal's I did not. Actually, maybe the first three. 17, 18, 19, no, 19, I would have just moved here. So, but anyway, yeah, so we went, I went to that show, went in a caravan with Ron, uh, known as Ron LP on the Instagram. It was the 11th show that his starring on has been to, which is impressive for two reasons. It's impressive because he's driven to 11 different Radwood events. But it's more impressive because it's a Starion, and you know the whole internet says that old Mitsubishi's don't last at all, right? Right. So, thankfully, is that a record for shows in general? You know, other than people who are officially in charge of Redwood, I'm sure that nobody else has been eleven times. <laughs> it's got to be right. I mean, I would probably have to talk to, you know, Art or Warren. Maybe they would know. fact check it, but. I, yeah, he, it's got to be up guess. there. I would guess he's been to more than anybody. I think I've been to eight, which is crazy too. Mm-hmm. But he did have to build a new motor for it at one point, but that's because when he bought the car, it was already tired. So, but yeah, the car runs great. So I mean, uh, caravaned out with him and uh, also known on Instagram as Angry Bird GTI, my friend Chris. He rode in my car with me out there. So we're going to have to rewind the story a little bit. We'll make this a project car update slash show report, I guess. Yep. So back when I first bought the 944 in May, uh, one of the intended trips to take with it was to bring it back to Radwood because it is the original, you know, originally it was the Radwood 944 or hashtag Rad44 was their, their Instagram tag for it. It was the one that was all liveried up. I've talked about it ad nauseum as far as detailing the car. So leading up to the event, I had a bunch of stuff to do to the car to make it, you know, road trip worthy for LA and also make it car show worthy for LA. So, you know, I did talk a bunch about detailing in the past, but one thing I never did was after doing all that polishing, I never waxed it. So it's been since May, it's now November. So it's a solid five months. Well, that math doesn't work out That's six months, solid six months since I first, you know, buffed the car down. So it started to fade out a little bit because it's here in Arizona in the sun. Uh, it is not 
in the direct sun every day, but unfortunately just even using it without having wax on it is going to make it die back a little bit, especially where it's a non-clear-coated car. Well, at least a good portion of it is. So, excuse me. <clears throat> Apologies, Ed. Take a sip of water there. Um, first thing I did was oil change. I did the Andrew Pascarella approved liquid molly oil change. Got the kit from FCP Euro, which had all the oil, the filter, and a new drain plug. The other issue I had was I was driving the car like two weeks ago and the belt started squealing. I hypothesized that it just needed a new belt because the belt had been loose when I first replaced, or I first, you know, uh, Jordan and I first fixed the air conditioning. So it wound up that it was squealing a bit. And I figured that, you know, as we discussed in the past, it was probably glazed over and it was just going to be time for a new one. So I got a new continental belt for it. I put the car up in the air, do the oil change and put the belt on it. And I noticed that the tensioning rod for the drive belt, which tensions against the air conditioning compressor and the bottom of the engine front cover, like where the oil pump area is, was only bolted on one side. So that's why it was squealing. It wasn't because the belt was glazed. It was because it had completely lost tension. Not sure how that happened. I don't think we actually ever had that bolt out. I think we tightened it on the car. Yeah, so just vibrated loose. Yeah. So unfortunately, I had to figure out what size bolt that was. And I don't have any kind of bolt sizing tool here that could work for figuring out the bolt. So I went to O'Reilly Auto Parts because it was pretty late in the evening. Was it and the 24-hour one? Uh, no, they opened till 11 or 10. 10 o'clock, I think this Still one is. Still so wild. Yeah, it's the one right by the, right by the house. So I went to O'Reilly's. Yeah, it was like 9 o'clock. And I was looking for some kind of like a bolt sizing, you know, like a, a bolt sizer. They have like the different bolts on like a on like a metal chain and you just can size it up. Steal it and bring it home. No, but I figured somebody would sell (laughs) that thing. So they don't sell them. Obviously they do sell one, but it's a solid piece of plastic. It looks like, do you remember in like school? You had like the, yeah, the graph, um, geometry, like I forget the name it was, I have the circles and the triangles and everything all built into one thing. It was kind of like that. So you could use it for sizing bolts, but you couldn't really, it couldn't put it in the engine. So you could it'd be this big thing. You could use your calipers and it'll get you a size. It just won't get you the pitch. It wouldn't get you the pitch. The yeah. So you at least know like, oh, I got to, I got to find a 12 mil bolt. So it's either the sure. 12125 or 12.15. So thankfully Naomi went with me because she is the more intelligent one of the two of us sometimes, most times, all the time, all the time. And she was like, well, they have this metric bolt kit here and it's like $12. Why don't we just buy that? And then you'll have spare bolts for whatever. I was like, oh, that's a valid point. So I bought the metric bolt set. <laughs> Turns out yep. it's a 10 by 1.25, but it has all the different sizes. And now it's just in the toolbox. And if I ever need a bolt, it's right there. I don't even need a sizing thing because I have spare bolts, right? Yeah. I can at least use those bolts now to size up if uh, if they're not long enough. I'll at least know. I can find out what the threads are. So anyway, so $12, I bought that bolt, managed to go home. 
put it back on and everything was adjusted properly. It didn't need to be readjusted because it was adjusted how it was adjusted when we tightened the belt last time. So everything works. Car didn't squeal at all. Turned the AC on, no squeal, so the belt is fine. So threw the spare belt in the glove box to have for, you know, emergency or emergency situations if it did need it on the road. Changed the oil. That was fine. There is an oil leak on the front of the engine somewhere. I think it's where the oil filter housing is bolted to the block. The next time I do an oil change, I'm going to change that gasket out because that's easy where it's leaking from. It's not a ton of oil leaking out of it. Uh, I can tell you I drove the car all the way to California and back, and there's no perceivable difference on the dipstick. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. It does, after a long drive, drip enough that it winds up getting underneath on the bottom of the header. So it does smell a little bit like burning oil, so I do have to take care of it. But that's only after the car has been driving for, you know, two or three hours straight. So doesn't seem to be a big deal. Just something I have to put in my brain to fix next time I do oil change in the car, which won't be too terribly long because I've already done about a thousand miles in <laughs> a week since putting the oil in the car. So that was all taken care of. I do have a caliper in the front of the car that is sticking. And unfortunately, somehow, some way, there are no calipers available for the car. So I needed a rebuild kit. So I ordered the caliper rebuild kit, which is seals. I ordered uh, new caliper pistons because I don't know what condition they're in. I could probably clean them up and reuse them, but I figure if I'm taking them all apart, I'll put new pistons in. And I ordered new pads and new rotors. It took three different companies to get all the parts. I had to use Rock Auto, FCP Euro, and AZ Auto House in order to get enough parts to rebuild just the front brakes. That is surprising to me because 944s are not uncommon cars. It turns out the brakes aren't shared with a lot of other cars. Either the front suspension is, you know, a parts bin from Volkswagen Rabbit stuff, but the brakes are actually Audi brakes and they're 80s Audi brakes, which are obviously not common either. So I just figured being a 944, it would be easy to get parts for it. If I wanted to spend a ton of money, I could have bought a big brake kit and had it here the next day but I was just looking to make a stock brake system work efficiently. So unfortunately the pistons never came in and the pad sensors never came in. So I didn't get to do the brakes before I left. That being said, it's not super detrimental to the car and it's not every time, but sometimes when you come to a stop at say a stoplight or a stop sign or whatever, and you come off the brake, you can feel that the, pad is or the, the caliper is sticking on I think the left front based on the dust amount and then it does free up slowly it's just not fast enough unfortunately so if it was a little bit faster it wouldn't be a big deal because it wouldn't be sticking so it's just it's starting to get to that point where I figure I'm trying to be proactive here and fix the brakes before it's actually an issue so I'm still waiting now a week and a half later for those pistons so hopefully I can get that taken care of soon. I probably won't drive the car a ton more until I get those pistons in anyway. So, but not a big deal because it is now back in the driveway, which, you know, spoiler alert means I made it to and from Radwood successfully, right? Not I guess exactly. so. It sounded like not, you weren't good for a while. Not, not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we left here about three o'clock on Friday. 
tried to beat the traffic in Phoenix and arrive in LA after. So we wanted to leave here before rush hour and arrive in LA after rush hour. So it's, I'd say it's about a five, five and a half hour drive from here to LA, depending on where you're going. So if we leave here at three, we could beat the big rush and we'd be there around eight. So it would be after the heaviest traffic time. Obviously it doesn't matter what time you get to LA, whether it's 3 a.m. or 3 p.m., there is going to be traffic. It's just the way LA is. So you try to time it to when there's the least amount of traffic, which eight o'clock is usually about that. So the trip went great. Stopped and got fuel at the normal places. That's another story I need to bring up when this is over. Fuel cost in Phoenix is disgusting compared to the rest of the country. Um, anyway, table that for afterwards. We get to LA area. We're probably, I'd say, 30 miles away from destination. And the car stalls. Oh, no. Yeah. I push the clutch in, and I catch it just in time. And, like, put the foot down, and I push through it. But all check engine lights and all the red warning lights and everything came on the dash. So I managed to just, like, push the clutch in, release the clutch with the car still in gear, and it, like, restarted the car. Yeah. And then... For the remainder of the trip down the highway, it was just bucking like crazy. Anytime I went past, I don't know, quarter throttle. Oh, that's fun. That's always fun. Super fun. So it's about 7.40 p.m. in L.A. on like the 405. So it's and the 5. So there's definitely traffic and there's no breakdown lanes in a couple of these places here. And there's four or five lanes. And obviously we were in the leftmost lane when it all started happening. So we get, Chris calls Ron and he's like, hey, we're having problems. Like, let's try to get over just in case we do have to like ditch on the side somehow. So the whole way down the highway, it's bucking and bucking and bucking. Then it'll run beautiful for like three minutes. And then it starts bucking and bucking and bucking again. And I'm like, immediately I'm having flashbacks to the eclipse. I'm like, I'm just going to leave this car here and we're never going to see it again. And it's I'm, sell- <laughs> I'm selling it at Radwood. Somebody will buy it and we're flying home. Turns out I wouldn't have had to flown home because there were like 20 people from Phoenix there. We definitely could have got a ride home from somebody. I mean, we could have got a ride yeah. home from Ron if we wanted to pile three grown men into a Starion, but that would have been a long drive home. So I would have had to take the back too because it would have been my fault. But anyway. It also wasn't the only 944 there, so... Oh my God. I can't even tell you. I, I would say Ron that, had the only Sterian. <laughs> you had yeah. one of probably 20 944s. A 20 is an understatement. It was the most populous car there was a 944, yeah. which is weird for me because normally I'm in something weird. So anyway, I'll get back. When we talk about the show. I'll talk about that part. So we finally get to our exit, which is just an exit to another highway. So I'm like, cool. Uh, accelerating back onto the next highway to get back up to highway speed was sketch because it took a while to kind of get through the throttle and get there it wasn't at the point now that it was just at quarter throttle it was sometimes at you know steady throttle sometimes at quarter throttle sometimes i could accelerate you know foot down sometimes i had to let it go it was just a disaster we finally get off the you know interstate roads and we're like all right screw it we're not going to worry about this right now we're just going to go to the hotel get checked in and go out and get dinner because maybe it'll cool off and it'll be fine. Maybe just, you know, car has been running for five and a half hours. Maybe there's something weird. 
So I put a post up, hey, this is what's happening. If anybody at, you know, Radwood tomorrow or in the area has any ideas, you know, 944 experts, please let me know. So there were a few ideas that were thrown out there. A uh, fuel filter was thrown out there. A fuel pump was thrown out there. <laughs> I guess there's a a speed sensor and cam reference sensor on the back of the head that sometimes go bad. And that was thrown out there as a part a, par- a possible issue. Um, who knows? Vacuum was another thing that was called out there. Maybe some kind of vacuum issue. So I don't know. Anyway, we go out, get dinner, hang out, have a great evening. I'm trying to think about it. This is another thing we can talk about six years ago, Brad versus now. Because six years ago, Brad wouldn't have been able to go out and have a good time. He would have been panicking about his car the whole time and been an emotional disaster. Thankfully, that has changed. <laughs> so we went out, had a good time. Next morning, woke up to go to the show. Between Chris and Ron and I, we decided the best bet would be because the car had about a half a tank of gas. And we had driven since Ehrenberg to LA. Maybe, and I even hesitate to say this based on your situation, but maybe it was a bad gas situation. Don't you maybe dare. Th- yeah. <laughs> maybe there was some water content in the gas or something went wrong. I had put regular in the car and Ron had put premium in the car, in his car. So we had different fuel and I had issues and he didn't. Again, that's a shot in the dark. Who knows what it is, but we might as well put fuel in the car, right? Sure. So I leave. The only thing I was thinking was I'll have to drop the tank for some reason. That's full. But anyway, we leave the hotel. We're heading down the road. Car is sputtering and sputtering and sputtering still. No, because I think think, uh, it's German. And it's Volkswagen parts. I think the pump's external and the filter. I know for a fact the filter is. I haven't checked into the pump yet because I will get to that in a minute. So we're driving to the gas station to get fuel. It's running like garbage. Can't tell why, but it's running like garbage. Gas station's closed. I'm annoyed. We went and got coffee instead. <laughs> Drove to Radwood. So I'll deal with it after the show. So... I managed to do pretty good through the whole show. I didn't think about it too much. Uh, we had the car. I, got, I cleaned the car all up when I got there and everything was fine. Some people knew I was having problems. There's a group called 944 Driver that was trying to get me to join that their group to roll in together. But I don't have any interest in rolling in with a bunch of 944s. I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way towards them. But... That's just not my scene. Like, I just wanted to roll in with my friends and have a good time. Plus, they weren't going to plan on getting there until like 930, which I didn't want to be there at 930. You know, Ron's ticket was to get in at 730 and I wanted to be there with Ron. So uh, actually, I messaged the evening before because my ticket was for 830 and just like, hey, you might have to roll with Ron. And it was fine. So I did. Anyway, the 944 driver group rolls in and... That one group of 944s that came together <laughs> probably had 22 cars. Whoa. In that one group. Yeah. So it was all their cars plus my 944 plus the probably another 10 scattered out at the show field. Weird. There's, I, there was 100% the number one vehicle that was there as far as quantity goes. So I was at least in a good place to break down, right? Yeah. Fast forward to after the show. We'll get to any show details afterwards. We drove the car immediately to a gas station. I filled it 
with fuel, uh, premium actually, just to get any kind of extra detergents and stuff that premium has uh, per Chris's idea. So I filled it with, with premium, drove it around a little bit more, really kind of drove it really hard, like beat the snot out of the car. Let's put it this way. The next fuel up later, when I average mileage, that that particular tank that I was driving the car hard on, I got 16 miles per gallon. And normally I get 26 to 27 miles per gallon. Yeah. So I was definitely driving the car a lot harder than I normally do just to try to replicate the situation. And we so we went to get gas that I was driving really hard. We stopped at an auto zone or advanced one or the other that showed they had a fuel filter in stock just in case. You know, I, I it's not you hear all these stories where it's like, oh, it's probably the fuel filter. It's never the fuel filter, right? But it, just in case I was going to get one. So we drove over there. I wanted to get a fuel filter and a couple cans of brake clean so that I could spray around like vacuum hoses and see if I could find a vacuum leak. Because got, got the brake clean, they didn't have a fuel filter, of course. So despite them saying they did on the internet, regardless. So after that, drove the car around some more. Again, beating the ever-loving snot out of the car. Ron was behind me. He said on one acceleration run, I did dump a bunch of black soot. But after that, nothing. Car never stumbled again. I missed a whole. I missed one whole section. I apologize. Okay. When I was at the gas station filling it with gas, I popped the hood. Yeah. And I unplugged every vacuum line that I could find, checked it, and plugged it back in nice and tight. And I went over all of the connectors that had anything to do with fueling or ignition timing, and I just pushed on all of them to make sure they were all tight. You know, just trying the simple stuff first, right? So mm-hmm. I did that, and I filled the car with gas. Those are the only two things we did that actually were, quote-unquote, repairing the car. And after doing those two things, the car never ran poor again. So either something was loose, or it truly was bad gas, and putting the better gas in was enough to power through whatever was left of the bad gas. Because I probably, a minute. I, I'm going to put some more cleaner in it now but i didn't have any of that stuff at that point so i did all that again that tank where i filled up in Ernberg on the way out there i had filled up on the 10 in phoenix before we left so i probably only had maybe five gallons of fuel from there and maybe the fuel there was bad or wasn't right for the car or something you know the car only calls for 87 and it runs fine 87 doesn't ping doesn't do anything weird it runs perfect so there's no reason to put more premium gas in it usually right so yeah i don't i don't know what happened but i drove the car all the way home we left that morning it's like well we hasn't made the problem again it's where it seems to be running okay in fact it maybe it was psychosomatic but i feel like the car is running better now than it's ever run in the past so you know the next fuel up like i said i got like 26.7 miles per gallon uh the radio is working better, which is strange. Maybe it was oh, gas powered. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking maybe there was some kind of a grounding issue I had because the radio used to cut in and out, and now it doesn't. I so, don't know, man. Yeah, some spooky stuff. It's very spooky. But the, go- the, the ghost it- escaped the exhaust there. That's the black soot was. Was the demons coming out? <laughs> right. <laughs> Or just spent enough time away from being parked next to the eclipse with its former ignition yeah. issues. 
So anyway, I don't know what happened, but the car ran great the whole way home. I was there's like, no well, that was weird on it, right? Because it's a Euro car. Uh, there's a converter looking piece, and I don't know if it's a converter or a resonator. Yeah. I haven't looked too closely at it. I had to look a little closer at it, but I'm guessing there's no converter on it based on the smell. Uh, if that is just a resonator, I'm probably going to take it out and put a converter on it because I'd like it to not smell bad. Yeah, it would. It would be nice to smell like a normal, normal car. I don't like catless cars. It doesn't make any sense to me to have a catless car because, you know, we we've probably talked about this on air before. Like modern aftermarket cats are zero efficiency drop in the car, so it just makes the car not stink. <laughs> so I'll probably put a cat on it at some point if it doesn't have one, but. It does kind of smell bad sometimes. But anyway, yeah, the car came home. Everything was fine. The next morning was Monday. I had to go to work. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the car again. And we'll see what happens in like normal stop and go traffic on the way to work. And same thing. Car ran amazing. Radio still works perfect. I don't have any. Again, I'm sure the car not running right and the radio are unrelated. It's just a weird coincidence, right? Like. I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer. Very strange. I don't either. It's weird. Yeah. Spooky. Anyway, we'll do a quick show report. Radwood. It was like my probably eighth one I've been to. The fifth one in L.A. It was. Uh, you might think it's getting old. It's not really getting old. It's just a fun car show. You know, fun people, fun cars. I'd say they were probably. I know they sold out of car show tickets. I don't know how many cars that is, but probably mm. a lot. Uh, it was more efficient as far as getting into the parking lot this year. They fixed some issues they had last year. So there's no you know backed up line to get in. The only line I waited in all day was for lunch. So not a big deal. The, again, 944 said it was probably the most common car there. Uh, the most popular car there as far as the one people were into the most was... That Mike Burroughs Stance Works uh, K-powered Ferrari, the Honda swapped Ferrari. Yeah, which was at SEMA. Which was at SEMA, yeah. So he drove it onto the show field at Radwood, and it sounded pretty rowdy. I guess his inspiration for the build is like a Group B style rally car, which mm. he nailed with the flares and the sound. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's definitely one of my one of my favorite recent builds. I'm not usually a fender flare guy, as you guys all listening no based on my Corolla conversation for the past month or so. But the flares in this car just work because they're very motorsports and they look just like a Group B rally car would have had probably. So the car's super rad. Um, I'd say my personal favorite car of the show was there was a Volvo 242 that was white and had what looked like three-piece Renault racing wheels. Mm-hmm. I think you saw a picture of it. I think I saw you share a picture. Yeah, of it. that's um, Alex Pucha's car. I don't know. Yoshi Fab is his. He goes nope. by. Nope. Yep. Just, nope. Okay, it's the, not the, him. There's an Instagram tag on the window that says Yoshi Fab. Yeah, but that's not him. Okay. It's, it's anyway. I'll, I'll send you his his uh, Instagram after. Yeah, well, we'll have to. He's friends with uh, Alex Grabau. Okay, that makes sense, based yeah. on the style of the build. Uh, do you know what the car is powered by? It's five cylinder, isn't it, or a straight In, six? Incorrect. Yes, it's a straight yeah. six out of an XC sixty, I guess. The yeah. Volvo SUV. Very difficult to fit. It's not exactly a bolt-in. Yeah, so it's a car straight is crazy six. fabrication. 
Yeah, it's a straight six <clears> Volvo <throat> engine with a big turbo hanging off of it. Yeah. Uh, turns out the wheels are not Renault wheels. They were made by the owner of the car. So he yeah. bought the barrels and he like CNC machined the centers to look like old Renault racing wheels, but in his exact specs. Yeah. Um, the the guy we're has looking insane at insane fabrication skills. Yeah. They're him and his brother are building. There's an Instagram page called 242 Fake Race Car. Okay. They're building up uh, a silhouette 242 race car. Okay. From scratch. That's cool. I wonder why it said Yoshi Fab in the back window. Maybe that's some. Yoshi Fab is like a guy that people were buying parts from. Interesting. In that... It's weird that it would have that. It threw me for a loop. I assume that's what it was. But no, anyway, and, um, that car was also on. There's a donut media video on it too. Okay. A few years ago. So I probably won't watch that, but that's okay. Um, donut media was actually had a booth there. And they also had one of my favorite cars there. It was a Subaru XT with a two five was an EJ twenty five at the STI swap. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, that that, that Volvo was amazing. Um, I have some pictures of it that I took. I'll post them either to my page, the Auto Off Topic page, or both, or wherever. So you'll be able to see those. Uh, we'll find out who actually the builder is, or you can send me the actual link so I tag the right person in the car. So interestingly enough, it had mass plates on it. Um, but yeah, he's from here to, originally. Yeah, according to the people around the car, is not from here. Just the builder is from here. So yeah, it's a super cool car. Two forty twos are sweet, as we all know. We both like those a lot. Probably my favorite car there. Of you know, it's hard to say that because there were a lot of cool cars yeah. there, but that was definitely definitely. Up yeah, there, I saw so. it um, December twenty nineteen. Okay, interesting. I didn't recognize it, but maybe it's because I was parked near it and just hard a lot. And I just it sat perfectly. So, but anyway, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time, good show. The official in uh, Honda, you know, sponsorship makes it pretty good. They had some sweet T-shirts with Generations of Integras on them. They had a sweet poster, which I got two of in case you want one, which is the uh, evolution of Type R, and it starts at the first Type R, and it has a bunch of pictures of all the type R cars over the years from civics to NSX's to Integra's. So they were giving those away. So I, I grabbed a spare one for you, Andrew, if you want it, if not, I'm sure somebody out here will take it, but it was, uh, it was a good time. No complaints. I'll go back again next year. So I know that uh, car shows aren't the most popular with some of our listeners, but we do enjoy them. You know, it's more accessible for me to go to a car show. And I like these destination car shows because my favorite thing to do is drive. So it gives me a good excuse to do a road trip in one of my cars. So I'll, uh, I'll continue to go to them, continue to enjoy them, and continue doing whatever I damn well please, right? Sure. Uh, so quick side note on fuel in Phoenix. I learned something this weekend. Okay. What is what is a gallon of regular gas cost in Massachusetts right now? Gas station I can see from my kitchen window is like... 365 and the cheap station on route one's like 339. Okay. So I'm still paying like 469 for regular. Wow. Uh, some of the space places like the more convenient ones on the highways are 499 to five and a quarter. Fuel used to be cheaper. Naomi actually was in Tucson this weekend, which for those not into uh, geography, is two hours south of Phoenix in a different county. 
in that county, she paid like three and a quarter for fuel. Weird. Yep. I was in California and I actually paid 20 cents less a gallon in California than I paid to fill up here in Phoenix before I left. Does Maricopa County have extra gas tax? It is not a gas tax. Huh. What happened is during the pandemic, they shut down a bunch of refineries. And for some reason, the fuel that comes into Maricopa County comes from the same refineries that service the California stations. Yeah. In order to service the California stations, the fuel is actually more refined to reduce emissions and therefore costs more. The remainder of all of the counties in Arizona are serviced by Texas. Huh. So they get cheaper fuel out of Texas, and we're stuck paying California gas prices now in Phoenix, which winds up being higher than California prices because it has to be trucked here from California. Weird. So that I learned this weekend, thanks to Chris actually, is why we're paying so much for fuel here in Phoenix and the rest of the country is like, what are you talking about? Fuel prices aren't high anymore. But for me, they're still ridiculous. Hmm. So that makes me a little upset. So I'm not sure how long it's going to last for, but for the foreseeable future, I guess Phoenix is stuck paying California gas prices and more than California because of the transportation of fuel to Phoenix from California. So Hmm. super annoying. I don't like that at all. Because that's hitting me directly in my wallet. Thankfully, most of my, thankfully, most of my cars are fairly, fairly efficient, and it's not too big of a deal. But I would much rather be paying three something a gallon. You know, that's it's wild to me that you guys are paying almost two dollars less a gallon than I am. Well, the big jump is to premium. It's like a dollar more. So it's your premium is still less than my regular. Yeah. Yeah. Premium here is over $6. So it's not, thankfully everything I have almost, almost everything I have runs on regular. So it's just, it's just frustrating, but you can complain about that all I want later. It's not, doesn't affect anybody outside of Arizona or California, I guess. So here we are paying too much for fuel. So yep. anyway, that's my, uh, Project car slash road trip slash show report, I guess. So speaking of Hollywood and California, uh, Auto Week is reporting uh, that they are do- there's going to be a sequel to Bullet. Okay. Do you know who's a directing A sequel it? or a remake? A sequel, not a remake, they, they claim. Interesting. From the studio. Okay. Continuation of the story, so... Who's directing it? Yes. Uh... Spielberg. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, who do you think okay. is the lead actor? Um, let's see. Who would be the quote-unquote king of cool now? Um, Keanu. That would be a, a pretty good guess. Um, but Bradley Cooper. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Keanu would have been a good choice, though. I I, I went with Keanu because uh, he kind of has that more rough around the edges kind he's of. A, he's a 
motorcycle car guy. Yeah, but he kind of has that rough around the edges, you know, not as polished as Bradley Cooper, where I think that Steve McQueen kind of had that kind of vibe to him. I mean, obviously, we know now, unfortunately, through reporting and history that Steve McQueen was not a good man. But as far as his Hollywood persona was, he he had that like kind of rough cowboy kind of edge, like not Western cowboy, but like. I don't know. He wasn't the the polished guy that Bradley Cooper is. That's why it's kind of why I went with Keanu and also the car and motorcycle connection because obviously McQueen was a huge car and motorcycle guy. So yeah, I don't I don't think I have a problem with it being Bradley Cooper. I don't know if I'd have chosen him, but so is he going to be the same character? Is he is he going to be pay, playing you know Bullet? Supposedly. Interesting. It's just supposed to be a. Uh, it's not even production yet. It's like, you know, pre-production talking sure. about it. The, the the light has been lit green, and they're going to yeah, start moving into it. Suppose they signed deals for it, according to this article. Well, I mean, what based, better time to do it? The, you could buy a brand new Charger and a brand new Mustang. Yeah, you know they've done a bunch of like teaser things with magazines doing shoots around San Francisco with jumps and stuff. I know Car and Driver did one a few years ago, and somebody else made but a you know, video with the new Mustang. I had this thought the other day, and I actually was talking about it in our Discord. Everybody's like, oh, Bullet's the greatest car chase ever on film. And you're like, it's pretty good. But, like, all the Gymkhana stuff is way better. Yeah, it was like car chase. Neither was technically the movie. It's just a car, you know, it's like, I'm just talking about cars on film. Okay. So let me let, let's let's they're let's, doing jumps, they're sliding around. Okay, also we're talking 40 years, 50 years, not 40 years ago, 50 years, 55 years ago. Yeah, so the technology that they used in that movie was more important than the car chase itself. It was the best car chase ever filmed to that point. Yeah. It was the father of all of the modern car chases. If we didn't have Bullet, we wouldn't have. 90% of the car chase movies. The, the Seven Ups is a better car chase than the Bullet Car Chase. But, but it comes after the Bullet Car Chase. It does. There's a lot of car chases that are better than the Bullet Car Chase that came after the Bullet Car Chase. Bullet is not famous, I don't think, for being the best car chase. I think it's famous for being the, it's like the, the start. First. Yeah, the first. Like it, it, it opened the door to the Hollywood you know, car chase was that movie. So I think that's why it's more important. I mean, the movie isn't the best movie in the world. The car chase isn't the best car chase ever. I think the movie gets a bad rap from most people who are in our age group or younger because we're used to the spacing and timing of more modern movies. And I think if you watched nothing but late 60s films, you wouldn't think it was a bad movie. It would just be like a normal late 60s film. Nothing groundbreaking other than the car chase, but a pretty typical, you know, pacing of the era. So I, I do enjoy the movie. I don't just watch the car chase when I watch it. I do sit down and watch the whole movie. So um, I, I, I guess I'm excited for a sequel. Am I glad? I'm probably glad it's not a remake because I don't think they could do a remake without making it like shot for shot and that wouldn't be the same. So I'm into it though. I'll watch it, of course. I'll go to the theater. There's another car movie coming out re- uh, soon too or if it's not already out already, it's a Lamborghini movie. So, it's a good time to be a, a car enthusiast moviegoer, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm into it. Is there any talk about like how long it's got to be before it comes out or production or anything? No, I wouldn't even. There's no timeline, so. Okay. Who knows? Could be five years from now. Don't hold my breath. No, no. We'll do. Because, you know, he could like get a call to do another uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie or something. And that would take up that would take priority. Yeah, things that pay him many billions of dollars. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's what he's gonna get. Whether he does a good job or a bad job. Yeah. <laughs> Must be uh, nice. It, anyway. If I do a bad um, job, my job that doesn't pay me anywhere near that will fire me. So <laughs> Yeah. Super annoying. Um speaking of annoying things, uh Apparently on eBay, you can no longer buy a lot of tuner parts. Yeah. This is so the EPA has been going after a lot of tuning places. Thanks, Diesel Brothers. Yeah. Um, for Clean Air Act uh, violations. Yeah. And this includes a lot of uh, standalone ECUs and tunes and flashes and all the cool stuff you can do to new cars that makes them run a lot better and faster for like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. So the problem is, yeah, never mind. Let's continue on. I'll get, so according to eBay's, this is from road and track, uh, defeat, uh, device. Yeah. Defeat device policy. Any part that may bypass delete or render a factory emissions systems inoperative is actually banned from being listed on the site. The ban applies to parts, whether or not they are hardware or software solution. The company lists a number of disallowed products, including tuners, standalone ECUs, off-road exhaust systems, AFN disablers. I don't know what those are. Throttle response air, controllers. Air fuel. Oxygen. It's um, yeah. probably like the fouler things for oxygen sensors. Well, it says and oxygen sensor bypass devices. Oh, okay. Among other things. Yeah, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I... I don't so, want to make this a political that would prove very costly for eBay as every illegal part sold can carry a financial penalties of $4,819 as of January 13th, 2020 here's my concern what what is sold on eBay versus what it's getting put on so you're not allowed to defeat emissions <clears throat> control devices. Can you still purchase these things for modernizing a vintage car? Because if you cannot, if you can't modernize your vintage car, you're actually hurting in the long run. Because if you're modernizing a vintage car, you're making it up to the efficiency of a more modern car. There needs to be some kind of legal way. Cause say I'm I'm, I'm switching it's, the '68 Mustang to EFI. It's probably via what it's made for. So basically, things that are pre '75 are emissions exempt. So if you say the product is made for a 1968 Camaro, then it should be exempt. It should be, but if you read the actual eBay prohibited item policy, it says. One of the things their bullets is aftermarket standalone, standalone, excuse me, aftermarket standalone non OEM electronic control units, including 
full electronic fuel injection conversion kits. We'll just don't buy it from eBay. Buy it from Summit. Except, will Summit stop selling them? No, I don't think so. I mean... Will they be banned in general because of the potential use in something they shouldn't be in? Are you going to buy them direct from Holly? I mean, what... Well, that's, that's the whole problem. Is but maybe Holly will stop having. We'll have to stop making them because they can't afford to. Maybe they cost four thousand dollars each. They can cover the fine in case they get caught selling it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm nervous about the whole thing. Well, apparently, well, that's what team is for. It is. And that's what if you're Holly, that's what your company's lawyers are for. Yeah. Because yeah. you're now cutting into your business. Sure. But listen, I agree with not allowing people to defeat emissions on a street-driven car that has emissions. Well, there's no reason to in a modern car. No, not at all. We just talked about that with the Porsche cat. Like, this new stuff is so efficient that it doesn't matter. But the problem is people, diesel brothers, go and make these things so they actively belch black smoke out, and then they film it, and they put it on the internet for all to see, and they get a following, and... Next thing you know, the government's coming after everybody, even people are trying to do things the correct way. Because you can modify your factory car in a way that it's still efficient, possibly more efficient than the factory parameters, and not be breaking any laws because you still, I don't know, every car should have to pass a sniffer test. And if you can't pass a sniffer test, you can't drive the car. That's just how it should be as far as cars that have emissions. It doesn't make any sense that you can't make something more efficient and run better and not do it. I think that's where my issue lies. Well, most old cars don't even have emissions testing. So what's the point? What what does it matter? Well, we're talking old cars now. Old old cars are, according to California, 75 and down. Yeah. What about every car that's built from 75 to 95 that you could use, you know, more modern fuel injection on and make it work better? Yeah, well, none of this stuff has been legal in California anyways, unless it's carb exempt. Right. That's been like that for years. Which is dumb. If I have an 85 You can just Mustang, get a carb exemption, though. Yeah, it's it, 15 grand or so to get your car tested. Yeah, so no, 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 no. If you want to sell something in California, the, as a company, you can get it carb tested. We had to do it at, at my last company. It was sure. expensive, but once you did it, you could sell there. Sure. And, and it was totally legal. So if you think you're going to sell enough of this product in california then you'll pony up the money to have it tested well maybe that's that's the other thing so maybe there should be a a nationwide thing where they have testing so you can prove that your system is legal but also if you sent your system to california had it carb tested technically that means it's good for the rest of the country it is for sure and that's actually if you read ebay's policy they say that they will allow Devices to be sold that have carb uh, numbers on them. Yeah. So, but so that doesn't help around. us with the with that. That's the workaround for bolt-on parts. That's not the workaround yeah. for standalone or EFI conversion kits. Uh, you just don't buy through eBay. You shouldn't buy through eBay, anyways. Well, I, I know you should buy direct direct from manufacturer. But what I'm saying is, this is the beginning. What happens next? <laughs> You know, know. How, how hard does the government come down on this stuff? You know, and I know we have to unfortunately make the, the the gun enthusiast comparison sometimes because the government has come down and said, these things you already own, you can't own anymore. 
and I don't want to get into a states' rights, gun rights issue here on our non-political podcast, but the fact the fact is that that potential is there. And I think that's what makes me more nervous than anything else. I don't want to have, you know, my sort of, but it's, I don't know why I always bring it up. It's different because there's a, it's, there's a constitutional amendment. We don't have a constitutional amendment to own a vehicle. So, right. That's, that's not, which makes it easier to make it. (laughs) The government could just take cars away. Yeah. Or certain use cases of cars. And I know they're not going to because, you know, the entire country would quite literally stop. But I don't know. It just, I get, I get nervous about it. Maybe I shouldn't get nervous about it. Maybe I'm overthinking it. It just seems. But what, what really sucks and what the whole crux of the whole thing is, is it sucks that the actions of a few have now hurt everybody. Which I guess it's is honestly, is. going back to the gun community, it's the same thing. So I just, I don't know. I get mad every time I see Diesel Brothers on television still because I believe they should be banned from everything like discovery channel still has a tv show with them and that to me is the most infuriating thing because they gave them the platform in the first place and they still have their show even though they got fined millions by the government and are doing something illegal on television you know if discovery channel had a show where somebody's going out and murdering people they'd take it off the air if discovery had a show where somebody's going out and dumping used oil in the ocean they'd take it off the air but for somehow, it's like their fine was a slap on the wrist because these guys have millions of dollars and they're just out doing the same thing, just not filming it anymore. So, I don't know. It's all their fault. Sparks Garage, the worst. Well, trash trash television has ruined it for everybody, basically. I mean, it makes me definitely, I'm like, maybe I should get that tune sooner than later for my Volkswagen. That'll hate you more than them because you're being illegal. No, I'm kidding. Because you're doing it legally because your tune is not defeating emissions. It's making your car run more efficiently. So, whatever. You bought a thing. You should be able to use it. If it makes your car illegal, it won't pass the sniffer test. Your car then gets, you know, in Massachusetts anyway, gets referred to the ref, you know, or they call it in Massachusetts, the uh, enhanced emissions test. Mac, yeah. So it gets it gets referred to the Mac, and then you go out and have to prove to them that your car runs fine. And if it doesn't run fine, then you have to put it back to stock, and it costs you a lot of money. And you know what? It should cost you a lot of money because you did something knowingly illegal. But they so. don't even do sniffer tests. They just do plug in here. Also dumb. They should do sniffer tests. That's the whole thing. You could... I don't know. I'm going off on the rails here, so I'm going to slow myself down before... Well, I... they stopped doing it because it was a pain in the butt. Sure, but and, and they so they just do plug-in tests. So if you've programmed out all the codes, it doesn't matter. Well, that's the problem with these tuners, right? So now the government's being lazy by not wanting to do a sniffer test, and they just don't want you to trick anything. Yeah, I don't know. What do I know? But for I some know. reason, I remember people were having their Evos tuned, and the thing would somehow discover that the bass tune had been altered, right? And it would refer them to the Mac Center. Yeah, and then it pulled the registrations, right? I don't remember exactly. But like I had the I had the Subaru. Both my Subarus had the Cobb tuner on them. Yep. And uh I never had any problems passing emissions with them. Because they didn't do anything with your emissions. 
they didn't make the car run no. less efficient. They made it run more efficient. No, because there was no sniffer test. It was just a plug-in. Yeah. So we don't know if it affected the emissions. I feel like it didn't, but now I'm just on the wrong side of history probably here. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a way to do it and make it legal. And maybe you're right. Maybe we just got to carb everything, but I don't know how you carb something like an EFI conversion kit. Because in order yeah, to carb but it, then it you, that's what you have yeah. SEMA for, and supposedly their lobby. Yeah. Because I think of something their, like, I mean, there's there was what I mean. You said there was how many, how many booths were at SEMA? Like they have, they represent yeah. a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. So this this is a rather large industry that you would be potentially crippling. So yeah, it's not great. In the past. But anyway. Yeah, I'm not thrilled. I don't know what to say about it other than that. I'm not thrilled about it. I, I do think that there should be punishments for those who are intentionally defeating their emissions devices. But I yeah. don't think that there should be wholesale punishment for everybody that wants to play with their car. There's got to be a way to do it the right way. My, my, I guess maybe I'm the outside use case here because I'm the guy who has like, you know, the 1983 Plymouth Sapporo with a terrible carburetor on it that belches black smoke when you first start it up, which is probably my fault for not tuning it right. But anyway, I could take that off and throw it in the trash and bolt on a two barrel, you know, Holly EFI. I, I say two barrel, but the two barrel style Holly EFI and make the thing run super efficient and not stink every time I start it up and use less fuel and put less particulate into the world and based on what I'm reading, I won't be able to buy that part through eBay right now. Great. I can go through Holly still, but maybe in the future I won't be able to. And that's, I think what's making me nervous. And maybe I'm also thinking about the future that's not ever going to come and I shouldn't worry about it at all, but I feel like somebody has to before it quietly gets taken away. So I guess that's your SEMA comment, right? Yeah. I don't know. Or I just take out a huge exactly. loan and I buy EFI stacks and stacks of EFI to put in the back house for later. <laughs> You should. No, I definitely shouldn't. That's a very terrible financial decision, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll be worth more money. You can't get them anymore. What do you need twenty thousand dollar loan for? I need to buy seventeen EFI units. Bank would go no. So, anyway, it's what it is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stew so, it anymore. Yeah. Well, hat tip to cars. Disco Steve on our discord for giving us that story so just come hang out in the discord yes transitioning conversation i like it discord come to discord ask yeah. us for a link we're currently discussing That's right. private message us this situation and uh burn down rx8s like the rest of the world is yeah i didn't even want to give that guy any airtime so i'm not saying his name or anything i'm just saying we're we're talking about it in the discord off air more like making fun of him and how ridiculous he is yes i would 100 percent make fun of him yeah as he even added a new discord channel this week because some of us enjoy fancy alcohols so sure and he didn't call it blotto off topic and i'm upset no because i didn't want it to be confusing when you're looking to the list oh i don't think it would be but that's okay we'll let it slide all right. Anyway, that's an episode. I think it is.
Come follow us on Discord. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Auto Off Topic. Follow our other page, Scale Autocast. Follow me, Ray Sinegar. Uh Brad, where can they find you? They can find me at TSISS3501 on Instagram. I now have a few videos that I've put out through work. So if you want to see some video content with my, my dumb face in it, you can either go to <laughs> Auto Hunter Cinema on YouTube or also there's other videos on the classiccars.com TV, which are both YouTube channels. We can see some of my SEMA content. So, and a couple of printer articles actually on Journal, which is the classiccars.com journal. So you can just Google that, it comes up, and search would, my name and find some stuff there. Would, would you say people can see my content? That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. See my see my content. I, I got it. I'm ignoring it, but I got it. <laughs> All right. Glossy radio. Keep goes keep goes analog and aim for the roses. <laughs>